Production funding for Ruckus has been provided by gifts from Dave and Jamie Cummings, the Fred and Lou Hartwig family, Peter and Barbara Gattermeyer, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize, and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees. And by viewers like you. Thank you. Welcome to Ruckus, our weekly food for thought fight over the news of the day and the trends of the times. I'm Mike Shannon. The Ruckettes join me shortly. Our topics this week is Jackson County government taxing taxpayers' patience. Patience is going to be required for parents wanting school test results in Missouri. And testing her new political affiliation, Barbara Bollier enters the U.S. Senate race. Plus, of course, roast and toast. But we're going to start with our newsmaker segment and welcome a newly announced candidate for the U.S. House in the 3rd District of Kansas. Sarah Hart Weir is a Republican and until recently served as CEO of the National Down Syndrome Society. The candidate grew up in Olathe, now lives in Mission, and Sarah Hart Weir, welcome to Ruckus. Thank you very much for coming in and joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Mike. You had an important job. Why leave it to think about running for the U.S. House where those people are constantly criticized by members of the public? Well, my roots in this district, Mike, run really deep. I'm a proud product of the Olathe public school system, and I often say that my K-12 education here in the district, coupled with my Kansas values, really allowed me to become a CEO at the age of 32. It was really the summer after my freshman year of college. I got a call from a family friend in Olathe. I was returning home to wait tables and coach soccer camps. I'm a college soccer player and got to know a young woman with Down syndrome, Casey, and I worked with her that summer. Uh, she's the one who really opened up my heart, my mind, and my eyes to a community that was often forgotten by Washington. As you said, I ultimately became the CEO of the National Down Syndrome Society, and during my time there really proved that we could put pe people with disabilities on the map and we could cut through the gridlock of Washington and get things done. Is that the major policy initiative you're pursuing in a campaign? Absolutely not. You know, this, for the third district, there are a number of different issues, a number of different priorities. Um, as we look at, and I think we've all dissected the 2018 election, you know, Sharice Davids ran on an agenda related to health care, specifically pre-existing conditions. And as somebody who's advocated for people born with pre-existing conditions my entire adult life, I'm leaning right into that issue. As I've gone and traveled throughout the district, throughout the third district over over the last many, many months, healthcare is the number one topic. And as an individual that's born from a healthcare family, uh, my dad runs the Innovation Center at the University of Kansas. Uh, my brother's a professional athletic trainer for the NFL, and my youngest brother's a radiation oncologist. We really have some challenges ahead of us as it relates to healthcare. Well, you know, somebody saying I'm a Republican used to tell you what a person believed, but not necessarily anymore. There are so many gradations and factions in the Republican Party. So where do you place yourself? Are you a conservative, a moderate, or something else? <laughs> I'm Sarah Weir, and I'm running, you know, as a Republican in the in the third district. You know, for me, being a Republican is all about getting government out of the way and allowing people, Americans, to thrive in our society. I want to push, as, as a relatively young woman, Mike, um, an agenda that provides an opportunity for people to come to the table. When I led the National Down Syndrome Society, I did it with this notion. If you're not at the table, you're on the menu. Could we say you're a 
traditional Republican? A traditional Republican? I guess you could. I, you, I guess you could say I'm a traditional Republican. We hear so much talk from the media about suburban women who used to be Republicans and used to vote for Republicans, but now won't because they hate President Trump so much. Has that been your experience? Do you find that in the people you talk with? You know, I think Americans, specifically Kansans in this district, you know, really want somebody that's going to cut through the gridlock and the noise of Washington. You know, I've done that, Mike, without a member pin. I've done that with two hands tied behind my back. One of my proudest accomplishments was the passage of the ABLE Act that created tax-free savings accounts for people with disabilities. We got, I got 85% of the entire Congress to support well, that legislation. Bernie Sanders to Jim Jordan and everyone in between. I think that's what suburban women Will want. suburban women vote for you, even I, though you're a Republican? I, I hope so, because I think at the end of the day, we need to put people over politics, and we actually need to focus on voting for the person and not necessarily the party. And you once were a lobbyist for a big pharmaceutical company, GlaxoSmithKline. I know you're going to hear about that in the primary, at least, and, and in the general, if you make it there. What's your response? I worked for that company for eight months, and as a veteran, and thank you, Mike, for your for your service, I think you can argue that expanding access to vaccines for veterans, for specifically the Department of, of VA, Veterans Affairs, is the right thing to do. And so if folks want to criticize me for working there for eight months and, and helping our nation's veterans, you know, bring it on, as I've said. If not that, they'll find something else. They will. <laughs> hey, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you very much for coming in, and uh, best of luck in your campaign. Thank you, Mike. Sure enough. That is Sarah Hart Rear running for the GOP nomination to the U.S. House from the 3rd District of Kansas. Now let's meet the panel and start a ruckus. Annie Presley is an author, publisher, and GOP fundraiser. John Stevens is president and CEO of Port KC. Terry Riley is a former councilman, now president of Transformation Consultants. And Woody Kozad is president of the Kozad Company, a government relations firm. Well, we're going to jump from the Kansas House race to the increasingly interesting race for the U.S. Senate next year. Johnson County State Senator Barbara Bollier of Mission Hills, who renounced her membership in the Republican Party last year, is now entering the U.S. Senate race as a Democrat, where she is, no doubt, much more comfortable. As she got in, former U.S. Attorney Barry Grissom got out, offering his support to Bollier. Bollier says she shares Governor Laura Kelly's desire for pragmatic solutions to the state's problems. Bollier apparently plays well in her home district, but how will she fare statewide? If she becomes the nominee, what do you see as her greatest asset? and her biggest weakness, and we'll start with Annie. Well, she's KU undergrad. She went to KU med school. She practiced medicine in Kansas City. So she's going to be really great on the healthcare topic. She also um, has a pretty easy primary, truthfully, and I think that, of course, will be very helpful. She was endorsed by Sebelius. She does know how to tweet, and she has previously served in the Kansas State House and Senate. On the other hand, she did change parties. Um, she's behind in fundraising. She doesn't have name, high name ID. And um, there hasn't been a Democrat candidate elected to this uh, Senate seat since the 1930s. 1932, to be exact. Yeah. So given all that, I still think she's the best Democratic nominee to go forward. Uh, John, do you think Democrats as a party welcome somebody like Bollier who suddenly switches party? 
who ran every time she ran for office and was elected, she ran as a Republican. Now she's going to run for a statewide office as a Democrat. Well, I think traditionally both parties have been very skeptical of, of candidates that have switched parties. But I think in, in, in today's context where we are, uh, her rationale, and then also she's, she's really lived and delivered uh, in the state house on her message and her positions on uh, women's rights, equality, school funding has been a huge uh, cornerstone of her, of her leadership. Uh, so I do think that there's probably a fair amount of trust among uh, the majority of Democratic voters in Kansas. Well, Woody, you have to wonder why somebody with Bollier's beliefs ever ran as a Republican in the first place. Could it be that the district she ran in was mostly Republican? Well, you're so cynical. <laughs> uh, I try not to be. Uh, it could be that. I'll, I'll tell you, I don't pay a lot of attention to Kansas politics generally, but they had uh, an issue over there a few years, which Brownback came out with a tax mm -hmm. cut bill. Mm -hmm. It went to the House, where she was then a House member, and she voted for it, even though she didn't like it and didn't believe in it. But she voted for it because it was a smart vote, and she thought it was going to die in the Senate, which is what everybody thought. It went right. to the Senate, mm -hmm. and instead of killing it, the Senate did what you cannot do in Missouri. It's called a gut and go. Mm -hmm. And they kept the number of the bill, gutted it, wrote the tax bill that ultimately passed, sent it back to the House. Now, mm -hmm. this is a bill that's going to pass. It's a rotten bill. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't believe in it, and she hates it. So she, who wants to be a voice for reason in Washington, she, you can see her vote. It's right there, absent. Oh. Terry, she didn't show up. You want to be a voice for reason. You, you can't lose your voice at the crucial moment. Bollier herself is going to say she's a moderate, and people supporting her campaign will say she's a moderate. How do we know when somebody's a moderate? What does a moderate Democrat believe? Well, she believes in independent Democratic leadership. She's an independent Democrat. That's going to be the new slogan from what I'm mm -hmm. hearing. Independent Democratic leadership, I think, will play well across the state. And when you are too far to, uh, to the right in Kansas, it has not served, served people well here recently in the election cycles. So you need to be in the middle of the road. I can tell you what a moderate is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So are you a moderate? Are, are, no. Do you know what a moderate is, John? Well, How do we know a moderate when well, we hear a, a, one a or see one? Well, a little bit. Woody's cynicism aside, yeah. I think that <laughs> that the the landscape continues to shift. But in the Democratic Party, I think a moderate is 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 particularly in Kansas and in the Midwest and, and in rural, more rural leaning states. It is a fiscal someone that that has more fiscal focus and, and a little bit of conservative principles, at least portrays a framework of, of fiscal conservative principles, but a focus on education and a focus on social rights and social justice. But Republicans are not, they're not fiscally conservative. No, I'm not saying they are. I'm not saying they are. They're the biggest spenders out there, but go ahead. But I'm that's sorry. why they're, that's, I think that's why there's, there's ground to gain right. in that moderate framework uh, of things out there. Uh, so, it's, Annie, on the Republican side, do you see anybody uh, interesting? Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, talks about maybe running. Maybe running. I don't know if he'll um, end up back here in time or not. Or run into jail. I, I like um, the chief, Dave Lindstrom. I think he's great. Susan Waggle has always been um, very She's effective. officially gotten in now. She's a candidate. Mm -hmm. There's a businessman whose name is um, Russell. No. 
What's how, his name? How about Roger Marshall? Marshall, Roger yeah. Marshall, Marshall is the first district congressman from the big western part of Kansas. He's winning the money race, which, as I have said before mm -hmm. on the show, if you get people's money, you are popular. And he, too, is a medical doctor and is a big supporter of the president, and he was one of the Republicans who stormed the meeting yesterday yes. that was being conducted by the Democrats. All right, Tony's Kansas City is a popular website focused on local news with stories from a variety of sources. It has paid close attention to the Jackson County tax issue in recent weeks. As we know by now, thousands have appealed their property tax assessments to the Board of Equalization, claiming the increases in property values are dramatically and unfairly high. Tony's Kansas City offered this observation about what may happen when the tax bills ultimately arrive in mailboxes, and I quote, there's going to be an outcry Kansas City has not seen in many decades, forcing people out of their homes, putting them on the streets or in public housing at best, turning homeowners into beggars. So do you share this rather dystopian view, or do you forecast a more optimistic outcome in Jackson County? We'll start with Terry. It is my fervent hope that something is done before we get to that point. I know that there was a uh, tweet and or a press release about three weeks ago from the uh, county executive stating that their number one goal and priority is making sure that the citizens of Jackson County remain in their homes. That's their number one focus. And, and then immediately thereafter, I know that article came out about two weeks later. And so uh, I, I'm hoping it doesn't get to that point. And based upon uh, knowing Frank and knowing all of the members of the Jackson County Legislature and even the people that are on the Board of Equalization, I don't believe we will go there, get to that point that people are actually kicked out of their homes. Well, John, something I found rather interesting is the Kansas City Star a few weeks ago was talking about how high the property yeah. tax rates were going to be and how people were going to have to face uh, unusually high taxes. In the last few days, the Star is reporting that things aren't really that bad, that it's going to work out pretty well for a lot of people. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what data points have actually been provided to them, so I can't speak on that, but it is a, it is a real 180 uh, in, in all of this. I, ultimately, back to the bigger issue, it, 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 is, it was rolled out, it, it was an unmitigated disaster when it was rolled out. Let's just put it out there. But there's been a, a lot of, of under-assessments, I think, over the years, a lot of missed assessments. It was time to catch up. Now, how you do that and, and over the years and how you roll that out, that's where there is the a significant problem. Well, Woody, you and I have done this show a lot of times over the years and have talked about Jackson County taxes a lot of times over the years. There's really nothing new about no. taxes no. being controversial in Jackson County. Well, this happens almost every time they reassess, something like it. It's a disaster of either greater or smaller proportions <laughs> every time they do it. How do you, I, I, look, I haven't lived in Jackson County in over 30 years. How, how do you pick the Board of Equalization? Maybe they need to run for office. I don't recall people running for county executive or legislature with a clear plan for here's how we need to what we need to do about property taxes and property assessment. Let's change this system. Let's do this. I don't remember, and maybe I miss it, that that's somebody's platform. And then they get in there, and it's time to do this, and it blows up on them. Annie, I know you've talked about Troy Schulte, the city manager of Kansas City, Missouri, in a positive way in the past. Uh, as you are probably aware, there is significant discussion that Troy Schulte has been meeting with the county executive and the head of the legislature, 
and that as he retires from Kansas City, Missouri city government in February, he may go to work at Jackson County government as some sort of a county manager. And while I tend not to like bureaucratic increases, I would tend to think somebody like that might have the ability to get a handle on some of these myriad of problems at Jackson County government. You know, Troy did serve well, Kansas City, Missouri, and I think he would actually be a great candidate if he's offered the accountability that he, and the flexibility that he had as a city manager. We all know that's a strong position and has a lot of authority. So you have to have that. But I think the issue with these taxes is the incremental they, they haven't provided incremental change. They just right. throw on these giant changes that people just can't, everybody's yeah. on a budget, and they yeah. just can't yeah. stomach the they've change. Been, they've been artificially frozen in the past yes. in pockets exactly. of the county. For what reason? For political reasons? It, yeah, for political reasons. I don't want to sound cynical again. No, 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 no. <laughs> for political reasons. So. And then the chickens yeah. came home to roost yeah. at this time around. So they Troy brought can in, fix that. But, I'm confident. But, he can okay. fix it. If he had yeah. the authority. If he the Th that's the key that. is is much like a city manager form of government I think a chief county manager and actually giving a professional leader the authority granting him the authority to really focus on 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 new the new jail a lot of these other things that need to be sorted out and professionalized I think there's Combat. a great opportunity there's for the elected officials yeah. to cede some of that authority well, and get know, professionalization and, and, and in there well, if you have a jail shouldn't the people you elect decide to do that well, they should, but I think they, they need should. professional support. The I think you first time Mike Sanders ran, he told me, "We got to have a new jail. We'll do that in the second term." Here we are. Nobody's done it. Yeah. Uh, it Just kicking if, the can. If you're, what you're telling me is that elected government doesn't work, okay? We didn't let's say that. Say that. But why do you need a professional to tell you you need more jail space Sanders, and newer jail? Space? Sanders now knows the jail issue from the inside. From the inside. <laughs> uh, oh. Terry, there have been some predictions. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, this tax concern in Jackson County is going to lead to major changes in Jackson County politics. Uh, Frank White especially affected by this situation. Do you agree? Well, all of the legislature, I think, across the board now, at first it was just Frank, but now it's just pouring over mm -hmm. into the entire legislature. And, uh, and I also researched that the uh, group that they voted on, everyone voted on the group that came in and did the assessment. Oh. And so, who, who to do the work? Yeah, who to do the work, the consultant. And so, I think everyone bears, but I think he's gotten the brunt of uh, the attention because he is the county executive. So, we'll have to wait and see if there's major change in, in county yeah. politics. We've got to move on to the okay. next topic. <laughs> the Missouri Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, often called DESI, like DESI and Lucy, <laughs> has released results of its annual state school testing program, and the results are still apparently unknown. <laughs> More results will be issued next month. Another problem is a change in format by the state, making it difficult, to say the least, to understand the results already released. So as of now, for example, we don't know for sure if the Kansas City, Missouri School District has finally reached full accreditation. If by chance it has not, is there any tenable excuse, Woody? For whom? Uh, whoever's there now it always has the same excuse. They wrecked the district a long time ago. I'm here doing my best to redeem it, give me more money and more time. 
So that's the excuse, and it's always the excuse. Well, they have and, said and, they're on the pathway, that they're almost there. Let's go back to Desi and Lucy. <laughs> they got some splenning to do mm. because they are trying very hard to conceal what's going on in the schools. I'm sorry, we were talking about this. Yes. Is that why the format oh, yes. showing the results oh, yes. the And if you go out yeah. south of the Lake of the Ozarks, there's a series of districts out there that are in exactly the same academic mm -hmm. condition as Kansas City Public Schools. If not worse. If not yeah. worse. If you go over northwest of Capeaways, there's a cluster mm -hmm. of districts out there that are in exactly the same condition as the St. Louis Public Schools or worse. And they never get in danger of being declared, taken over by the state no. or something, because those are outstate Republican areas, and those are the guys who are standing in the breach against education reform. Mm -hmm. And if they make them mad, they might get education reform. So they're never taking those districts down. They're saving that for the black guys in the cities. Mm -hmm. uh, John, shouldn't parents expect and deserve to know the results of the school district and how their children are performing? Absolutely. I now, mean, we've been told this district's on the brink of success in the last several years. I talked to the superintendent, I think, last year after the test came out, and he said, you know, we're just you know, so close, it's bound to happen. Do you believe that it's bound to happen? It you know, I, I think they've made progress, but I, we can't we can't be certain. We don't <laughs> well, know. But that's the least you do. But, but, but I think what, what happens is if I came home, when I was a kid, if I came home and I brought homework home and I didn't show my work and the teacher wrote incomplete on it, I'd be in trouble. Yeah. That's where, Desi, that's where we are. And, and I do, I, I sympathize with Kansas City Public Schools and, and the leadership of the Kansas City Public Schools because they can't tell their story. They can't. What's the Achieve. target? They don't have a target right, right. now. And that's, they're, that's shuffling, they're shuffling the deck now. Now since it's time. On the Titanic? Or? <laughs> yeah, on the Titanic. <laughs> yeah. But no, At they, the they, casino. No, Kansas City has made significant progress. Yeah. Yeah. But those other school districts, and I was told this about five or six months ago, those other school districts that are out there that are in these very powerful senators' uh, districts, now, we're which not is talking mostly about the Republican. metro area now. We're we're no, rural. Rural. no, we're talking about rural Missouri. Those guys have even fallen under where yep. Kansas City is and even St. Louis. But they cast the blame, and he said it, and I can agree with him, the poor black districts, they're not hitting the mark. But if you say yep. anything against these powerful conservative Republicans you're that down. are in, you're, you're going to get shut down, mm -hmm. and they control the appropriations the, process. The narrative of St. Louis and Kansas City being failed is powerful in Jefferson City. I want to get Annie in here. We've only yes. got about a minute. What are some of your thoughts? There is one data point that we have to look at and has not been discussed and it is only one and I have to say Sly James was right if a kid is not greeting reading to grade level mm -hmm. in second grade the likelihood of them graduating high school is almost nil yep. second yep. grade so if you're not reading and learning to read in pre-k and reading first by second grade your history is seen do you think we'll have another pre-k initiative in Kansas City before long well, we need to. We have enough money going into central administration to pay for a pre-K program in Kansas City right now. I can assure you this data point is, is going to apply to every mm -hmm. district you're talking about. It's, it's been applicable to the district sure. since I yeah. was there. You know, but we need It used parents. to be third grade. Now it's second. second. Yeah. Were we on the board, this problem would have been erased by now. <laughs> We probably wouldn't. <laughs> no, what he said, no, it wouldn't. We'll, we'll be having uh, prayer meetings. <laughs> <laughs>
Thinking Man. It is time now for Roast and Toast, where the Rugheads have 30 seconds each to accelerate, agitate, or obliterate. And we're going to start with John. Uh, speaking of students, I'd like to give a toast to the UMKC student leaders who have launched Feed KC. Uh, it's a program that diverts food waste uh, to feed those most in need in Kansas City. Uh, they've diverted 1.8 million pounds of fresh food Great. to feed people in Kansas City, and it's a student-led initiative. That is powerful and important, and I would, uh, they've raised thousands at the Pure Pitch Rally, and I would love to see more people visit Enactus, umkcenactus.org and support our student leaders in Kansas City. All right, Woody? Well, we've heard about political confusion and opportunism in Kansas. We've heard about a bungled uh, property tax in Jackson County, a troubled school district in Kansas City. I'm from Platte County. In Platte County, our three commissioners run on very clear conservative Republican principles. You know what we stand for. We vote for them. We get what we vote for. Our schools are actually fairly good. Now, I would close by inviting you all to move to Platte County, but actually, we're doing okay without you. Stay right where you are. <laughs> All right, Annie. <laughs> well, I am going to roast for the first time ever on Ruckus, the uh, Congress. This impeachment proceeding has turned into nothing more than a circus, and I can't say how disappointed I am. And I think America needs better leadership than what we're seeing. That's your first roast ever. Ever. I always toast. Ruckus is making you meaner. <laughs> it's a good sign. This is not good. <laughs> All right, uh, Ruckus. Terry. Well, let's take it one step further on the okay. roast of yeah. Congress. I want to roast those 30 congressional members, even the one from Kansas, for walking into a secured room and protest with cell phones. This, these proceedings are private for a reason, because during Benghazi in 2015, the Republican Congress voted for this. Follow the rules and, and, and don't worry. I, I mean... They are in the Congress. They are in the rooms themselves, the Republicans. And so I want to roast them and the president for playing in this the night before in the Oval Office. Unexpected from you. In his presidential campaign, Joe Biden often says he will beat Donald Trump like a drum. So is the drum reference an appeal to Biden's base? Or is he using it as a symbol? It does look as if he's going to stick with saying it. Meantime, President Trump brushes it off. Rimshot, please. And that is Ruckers for this week. We're back next Thursday at 7. Now for the Ruckets and the crew, Mike Shannon saying thanks very much for watching and good night.